What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where I talk with my hands, but we also talk about everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. And today, I have a fantastic conversation. But first, let me talk about my sponsor real quick, the Stacks Foundation. They, If you want to build on Stacks, they have this mission of trying to build a user-owned internet. Most of the things of the way Stacks have been designed, a ton of the code that's hiding in the background that you use or will use in the future is to support that mission. And if you want to build something in Stacks, but you want to spread the mission of what we're doing here, the grants program is the best place to start. So if you want to check it out, try and get funded or get access to some resources that can assist you and you can help others bring something to life faster, the best place to go is stacks.org slash grants. Check it out. All right. Today, I have Christopher Perceptions on the show. If you're not aware of him, you can see him on Twitter at CMPGFB. That's his Twitter handle. Or you can at his company at No Code Clarity, and you'll find him. And that's what they're building. They're building something called No Code Clarity, which if you're not familiar with the No Code movement, there's kind of a brackets of development. There's like regular programming, which is, you know, a, a base level language or a higher level language. And it could be something from C or Rust all the way up to JavaScript to React. And then you have low code, which takes away some of the harder parts and abstracts some of the code for developers so they can just plug things in quicker and build apps even quicker. And then no code is the easiest part or the most abstracted part where you can just drag and drop things and actually create interactive applications. So we talk about a ton, talk about his history. He doesn't just do no code. He's not just a developer. He's got a background in music and a bunch of other stuff. So I won't belabor too much more on this intro. And let's just jump right in to this fantastic conversation with Christopher Perceptions, CEO of No Code Clarity. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Christopher, hello, how are you? How you doing today, my friend? Man, it's all good. How you feeling, man? Feeling good, feeling good. I'm glad to have you on. I've been seeing what you've been building. And just what I love picking up di- different data points about people. You know, you got some kind of music background, you're doing this no code thing. You have this certain kind of aura about you when you speak, where you just want to tune in. Like you're not, you're not bloviate. I just, I pick up these data points. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that away for the future when, when I talk to this man. But yeah, there's a ton to talk about, but I'd love to just start with the basics. You know, we're all so interesting and we only see the p- things we're working on when we post online. So just with the background, man, like what's, what's kind of your background before you got into crypto and how'd you get to here kind of thing? Sure. So um, first and foremost, thank you for your time, opportunity, super grateful. You never know who's watching Jake Blockchain. So um, I feel truly honored to, to be able to have this time with you. Um, to answer the question, honestly, man, um, growing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there were a few different focuses of mine growing up economics, technology, and arts. Um, so those were really my my three lanes. Um, I taught myself HTML and little CSS growing up in uh, the, the inner city. 
and um, taught myself how to trade stocks. So I was really interested in economics at an early age because I didn't, you know, I didn't have much from the standpoint of people I can lean in on for family and friends around. Like I was the family and friends, so I had to hustle up. So economics was really big for me. Um, and then from the standpoint of technology, if Mansa Musa or if Genghis Khan or any figure, good or bad, morally speaking, if they had technology, whatever they did would have been amplified times a million. So it's a scaling agent. So I was deeply interested in tech. Um, and then from the standpoint of arts, um, that was really my my therapy growing up. Um, there was gunshots going off every night, um, police sirens. It's super traumatic, like as a kid, hearing those sounds and those senses, and then you become desensitized for the sake of survival. But there's still like turmoil going on inside of a youth. So um, my pathway was rather than act out, I'm going to go inward and I'm going to try and process these feelings. So I dove really heavy into books and, and literary works, um, movies, documentaries, poetry, spoken word. Um, and that's one of the things that really helped save my life, I think, was um, was hip hop music and, and spoken word and freestyling and, and stuff like that. So a little bit of my background, long story short. Bro, we covered a lot, like too much right there. Can you... <laughs> Can, can you place me? So how old are you right now? I'm 32. Okay. So you're, you're just a year younger than me. So we kind of got similar. We grew up in similar kind of times. And uh, so can you, can you place me then? When, when did you start? Cause you said econ tech and art, which is beautiful. When did, when did you start? Like, cause for me, I was a gamer and I kind of had tech background, but then I was like, I gotta get, bro, I got, I got banned on RuneScape, lost like all my stats. Oh, and I was like, man. And it was terrible. And I realized like, bro, all that social status I was getting from like being level whatever at this, it's just gone. And so all that man. time is gone, bro. It's, it just doesn't matter. And so I had an epiphany of like, oh, I should build things like for real in real life, not mm. these like fake games. And that's why I moved into like, the game of life can also be a game that you play, but you also get real feedback from the real world. Um, yeah. Did you have a similar path where you were kind of messing around and then you went more legit or what, what was that like when you were younger? Yeah. So from the time point of, let's say fifth grade until early twenties, it was really the arts for me. Um, Cause that's when like, I pretty much had it. Like, you know, friends were either getting shot or, no longer here or in and out of jail or getting in relationships that were bad that were going to, you know, create spirals. And it's like, well, my environment isn't as forgiving. So I need to like make a move yesterday. So I need to process stuff. So I really leaned into the arts. Um, I, I grew up with uh, my mother who was a Christian evangelist, my late grandmother and my aunt, my dad who was in and out of my life. He's a drug dealer. So I'm on any given Sunday, literally, I could be around self-made millionaires, politicians, clergymen with my mom. I'd go see my dad in the evening. Um, I'd be around gang members, people moving kilos, um, prostitutes, thieves. So I, I really had to make a move and it was a lot to process. So the arts was just a really easy pathway for me. Um, so from the standpoint of spoken word, um, fine art photography, those were the ways where I was able to get out of my environment in a real way and be around things that kind of move the pulse of people. What would uh, cause uh, an institution to acquire a piece of work? Um, so I hung around curators, I hung around artists um, from the, the nobodies in, in the basements to, you know, the high and lofty people who are kind of like blue chip in the Midwest. Um, and that allotted me a lot of different opportunities 
um, from putting on productions, exhibiting in museums and galleries, performing with uh, ESPN3 uh, on the, the stage at the Wisconsin Sports Awards. I met Eric Rogers, like really cool stuff um, from the standpoint of spoken word. And then there was a point where around 2015, um, I heard about this weird internet money thing called Bitcoin and it changed my life. And I've been on this pathway ever since. And it became really my life's work. A lot of the things that I'm building are from those experiences where um, we're going to be able to impact people and make cryptocurrency real for people. Until it's real for people, it's not really going to matter. No one knows how the internet works by and large. No one knows how their smartphone works. They just know that they need it. Um, once crypto is in the background of everything, that's when we know we've won. And that's kind of my mission. So that's hopefully answers your question. No, that's good. And I I want to jump into crypto in a minute. But the mm-hmm. man, like... So before I got into crypto, I was a music video director. And so I'm working with a ton of artists. Word. Yeah. So okay. I, I did that. I did that for three years. I still have my like VIP artists that I work with occasionally just because they disappoint me from day one. So I feel like even though I'm busy as hell, you know, you were there for me. I, I'll keep rocking with you. But the thing you realize is like, one, artists are cash trapped like crazy. Like it's a grind. Like it's no grind. one believes but the other thing that it caught me off guard is like, you know, I grew up a certain way. And so I grew up in like in Portland, but there's there, like every neighborhood or every town, there's like the good part and there's a decent part and there's the good part or like, whatever it is. And I, I was in the middle. I, I had, I was in a green ish zone, but I had friends mm-hmm. from rougher areas and whatever. And I grew up, you know, my, my mom was very loving. And so as I'm talking to artists and I'm trying to like help them grow and all these different things, like we're just trying to be our best selves. Uh, you start seeing like the mindset is one of the hardest things to get over just because yeah. your, your habitat kind of like influences your habits. And so you just yeah. see the world as you are. And, um, and there's also those, those sayings like, you know, pressure makes diamonds, which sounds good, but pressure also just crushes a lot of people, like the majority yeah. of people. And so when you are telling me that story about your background and like the influences and the ways it's always like, it could go many different ways. And I'm always curious mm-hmm. about why, do you think you were gravitated towards the things that you went down? It's a big we question. We're going deep. Okay. Well, let's go deep. <laughs> Honestly, um, man, I could tell you so many stories about divine intervention, like for real. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. So uh, my wife and I, we were moving to South Africa to serve at a Christian orphanage. It's called Live Village in Durban. Um, so we literally were getting rid of everything. We're just going to, you know, plant our flag there. And there was a shootout that happened in broad daylight right in front of our house. Um, and there was like gospel music playing. And after the cops did their sweep and stuff, um, I asked them like, yo, is anyone hurt? It's like the strangest thing. There wasn't a piece of property, not a car, not a window, not a person that was shot. And the shootout lasted for like five minutes and they they're not just, you know, these guys had aim. So certain things I just can't explain. Like, honestly, I think I'll just save my life. Um, And then I was placed around people who I had a chance to learn from other people's mistakes. Um, There are so many instances where most people learn and get wisdom from either observation or pain. Um, I had unfortunately both of those. Um, but I learned more so from the mistakes of others. I learned how to be a father by, you know, my dad not being a good father. Um, 
beating me and my siblings other than my baby sister. Um, so I learned all of those different things, unfortunately, through pain, but I didn't let it corrupt me. I didn't let it go inward. Um, there were some battles that I definitely fought. I'm not trying to stand here and say like I did everything perfect. Um, and, and in a few aspects, I did, you know, fall prey to my environment. Um, but those mistakes didn't cost my life like some of my peers. So, yeah, man, I, I'm not going to stand here and say like I did everything perfect. Like, no, nah, I just I felt like because of purpose that was beyond me and my life um, and certain things I'm supposed to build before I check out, you know, um, I think that's part of the reason why I'm still here. And that's all the more reason why I just I go so hard. Um, because I know what it could have been. I know what life could have been for me. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I got one more kind of deep question and it's, uh, I've heard you, I've heard you at different talks and you, you use this phrase a couple of times and it stuck in my mind. Cause I, I love, I love like pithy kind of like uh, concise things that speak to some kind of deep wisdom and just make you think. And so you, you have this, and tell me if I get it wrong, but you have this saying that uh, success leaves clues, but love leaves blueprints. Yeah. And like, that sounds deep. I could spend a few hours like chewing on that, but what, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where if we could go back in time and ask Noah, Noah's art, whatever, like, who was your mentor? No one had ever built a boat before. You know what I mean? No one had ever seen rain at that particular time in that account. So who was his mentor? He didn't have one. You know what I'm saying? So he had to go through certain things and it would be who him to have documented that process and then leave it behind in case someone else needed to build a boat. So I look at it from the standpoint of me, if I was like born in this war-torn environment in an urban sense, um, I would be a fool to not leave a blueprint for people who might come from that environment or worse and say, hey, your environment may be different than mine, but these are things that help me sidestep minefields, that help me sidestep insurgents or whatever language. Um, so literally, I think that the best thing that a person can do, and there's a saying, um, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So what kind of planning do you have to do to leave an inheritance for two generations, plus have the ability for you to live and move and, and do things? So how I think is, and I learned this from museums, actually, they plan like 10 years out. So for me, it's it's not enough to have a five-year plan. I need to have a hundred-year plan, and I need to have that in trenches of 10 years. What does that look like? Obviously, things happen, um, and we live in unprecedented times now, as was kind of branded during the era of COVID, especially in the beginning. Um, so for me, I want to leave blueprints where people can say, oh, well, no code is a pathway. Crypto is a pathway. Real estate is a pathway. Arts is a pathway. And here are the steps to, to do it. Um, it's one thing for people to leave clues. And I've heard that like success leaves clues. If you read books, if you do that, but I didn't necessarily have money for books. So I would live at Barnes and Noble and I would just read books for free, but um, catch the bus sometimes and just spend hours just binging books. And I'm, I'm super thankful for Barnes and Noble for not kicking me out because I was there like all the time, um, just feeding on, on free game. Um, but now you have, you got smartphones, you got the internet, you got all of these different avenues where if people, you know, tune into a, a Jake blockchain or another platform, they can learn not only about what's happening in the industry,
thought leaders that are moving in those spaces. So it's a lot easier now. Um, but, you know, things are getting a little harder. So that's kind of a long way of saying um, just literally laying a pathway for people. Interesting. OK, that's that's very cool. I like that saying about the inheritance of your kids, kids. Mm-hmm. It, when you say that, especially reading this quote, it doesn't speak to money. It's like the, the love thing is something that's felt through generations. And so yeah. it's like, oh, he, he laid the pathway. And you see this a lot like with immigrant parents and, the, and their kids. They're like they grow up so differently. The kids do that mm-hmm. a lot of times like they don't understand the parents is, you know, this or that. They get, there's that tension, but they, they never don't respect the fact they came here and they made it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's always like deeply felt. And I think that's kind of that that that's that lovely blueprints where it's like it's hard to pinpoint on paper what that is, but you feel it. It's there. And that's heavy because there's a book, I forget the name of it. Um, I'll send it to you via Twitter, um, where a person did a study on why wealth generally leaves families after the third generation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, obviously, to your point, immigrant families, they might have that trailblazer that goes through pretty much boulders and rocks and all of the hard stuff. And then the second generation kind of is in that platform stage where they're, they're building out the platform, but they're still enjoying the fruits of the labor. And then if done successfully, that third generation is far removed from the first in the sense of you can't teach what's taught in the fire. Like you have to be in the fire to learn that. And if the third generation is far removed from it, that's where you have certain rhetorics where it's like, well, I'm not leaving my kids anything. It's not just money. And you picked up the biggest gem of that, that statement. Um, what are the values? What are the principles, the morals? What's the standard or the code of that family? That's ultimately what you're passing down because whether in good times or bad, if the principles are intact, the generations will be fine. They'll thrive. Well said, bro. We, we could talk all day about this. So I got to stop myself right now. <laughs> uh, so let's, let, let's jump into what you're building, but to ease into it, uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to get a, a brief picture of, because you're building something called No Code Clarity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure people even know what the No Code movement is. And so maybe give us a brief overview of, of you know, there's developers, people type code, do a bunch of stuff. What, what is No Code? Yeah, so it's actually, it's coupled with two different tranches. So there's obviously code or programming in general, and roughly 1% of the world knows how to program which is nuts when you think about it, Um, which is all the more reason why you look at the industry by and large, whether Web3 or otherwise, and you see why there's such a demand for talent because everyone is strapped from the standpoint of trying to find talent or educating talent or sponsoring events to source talent. Um, So there's the code, but then there's low code, which is a bridge point for people who are somewhat technical, but they're not all the way there yet. And then there's no code, which is more so object-oriented or visual programming, like drag and drop. If someone could have code running in the background of Figma or Canva or Photoshop, that's ultimately what no code is. Okay. And so if I'm using something like Squarespace, Wix, any of those, I don't have Mm -hmm. to know any HTML. Is that, is that, are those website builders considered pure no code they have some low code that you can play with but mostly they're no code uh more times than not they would those would be considered no code um you have platforms like Airtable, notion uh for the notion warriors out there that is a no code 
uh, thing where you can, even with uh, Google Sheets, there are certain platforms where you can input data and streamline it and it can have a front facing website that people can interact with and data that's inputted is automated back to um, a Notion or an Airtable or Google Sheets. So yeah, a Squarespace, um, Wix, absolutely. Got it. Okay. So I see the benefit of that. It allows more people besides just the 1% of, you know, the people who know how to code to Mm -hmm. ideally build applications. So what does that look like for you guys? What is, what are you building with no code clarity? Yeah. So we're, we're building an ecosystem of tooling um, so that people are going to be able to build decentralized applications utilizing no code. There are a lot of people that have ideas that don't necessarily have either the bandwidth of a six month or even a three month bootcamp um, or the money to afford that or the money to afford a dev shop, especially with inflation, the hidden tax that's hitting everybody, everything's going up. So from that standpoint, um, people are leaning more so into maybe I can do it myself, but then they see the the top of the mountain, but they see all of the jagged rocks and learning curves and all of that. So at the bottom of this mountain, like, eh, I'm just going to take the hill. I'm not going to go up this mountain. Even though the greatest wealth might be at the top of that, they're afraid of it because of, of so much that they're going to have to put in before they get anything out. But from the standpoint of social media kind of grooming us to have those dopamine hits for instant gratification, no code is the perfect solution for both because you can create scalable applications that are venture-backed But you also can have the luxury of saying, well, I can easily understand this or with a little bit of understanding after, you know, some YouTube videos and tutorials, I can put this together in the course of a month, which might have taken me a year if I were to take a a traditional pathway. Okay, man, I love it. Um, For the who's the audience for this? Like if someone's a coder already, Mm -hmm. they don't. Would they not really need no code is, or would you use it more as an MVP? Um, I'm just thinking of use cases. Like is the person who's on the fence about learning clarity, but they have the time to jump in Would no code benefit them. Or is it like, I, I, I feel this dance between learning coding and that's like a life skill forever that you can leverage like, and make that you could secure the bag that way, like forever no code seems like a, it's it's somewhat more niche and limits some of your options, but it gives you some other ones. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, it's a great way to think about it. Um, from the standpoint of audience, we're not trying to take away the need for coders or programmers. They will forever be needed, um, especially as the world becomes more and more hyper-technological. Coders will always be needed. People should always be interested in learning clarity. Um, or Rust or JavaScript or TypeScript. They should always be interested in that. But there are ebbs and flows. There are seasons and there are timeframes where maybe you just don't have the time. Um, But you still want to get something going, um, especially to just kind of test an idea out. So from the standpoint of people who are programmers, maybe they want to see how something would look in a live environment, not just in a static environment like with Figma. It would be a really good use case for them to try and pilot things Red Hat put out a statistic and said that 90% of development time will be cut if people use no code. So from the standpoint of time, the, the most valuable thing, we can always get more money, we can't get more time. No code is a huge unlock for people who are um, already able to program. 
Now, from the standpoint of people who can't or who are in their journey and they're learning, um, it's going to be unlocked for them because that means they can get skin in the game. Um, we were talking before you started recording about how investors kind of either source deals or how they look for certain things. And there's obviously the aspect of traction. What traction do you have? Um, what's your churn rate? All of these different nuances that they're going to look for. If I'm a newbie raising a pre-seed round and I'm raising money to try and build something, that's not going to cut it in this world. So they're going to have to create something, create a little buzz, a little traction, and then have those conversations. No code is a huge unlock for them as well. So there are so many different aspects where people can utilize no code and what it is that we're building with no code clarity. Shout out to my CTO, Sergio Gangora as well. Um, we're interested in having an entire landscape available for people. If someone wants to do an NFT mint page, if someone wants to create an application that has a built-in stats wallet, we're building those templates and they're going to be available for free due to the support of a grant that we got from the Stacks Foundation. So anything that we're building this year is all going to be available for free. Super dope. Okay, so, so I listened to everything you just said. I'm hyped about it. What what can I do right now with no code clarity if I want to try and use it? Sure. So there may be uh, maybe I could drop some alpha. There may be <laughs> another uh, plugin coming for very supercharged applications um, that that might be coming soon. Um, but what we can do now is we can do login with Stacks. We can do wallet creation. We can do uh, smart contract calls um, and a, a little bit, we'll be able to even deploy smart contracts, leveraging no code um, with the plugin. So there's a lot that can be done now, a whole lot. And people are asking, we were at um, Miami for uh, the Miami for everyone hackathon, shout out to White Label, shout out to Andre from City Coins. And people were, were asking like, okay, so I know you have some tutorials out, but we need more. It's like, well, we're working on it. You know, no, we need more like yesterday because yeah. I'm trying to use this for the hackathon. And so we're churning out a lot of educational content internally. And the fact that we're founders of color, um, Sergio being based in Mexico, myself being based in North Carolina, um, we have this edge where anything that we do, we can do in twos. So we can do Spanish tutorials, we can do English tutorials. Um, so we're, we're working out that framework and that cadence. So we can churn out educational content in both languages simultaneously. Um, but the demand has just been huge for um, tutorials and educational content. So we're working on that while building, but there's a lot that can be done right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I have very basic experience bubble. I've probably spent five mm -hmm. hours in the app and it's there's a learning curve. It, there's a way to think about programming, especially object oriented mm -hmm. where like, if I click this and I take their name, you take this over here and put that in the database. And then later on, you, can pull, you pull that thing down. You have to think about those things. It's a different way of processing. Mm -hmm. um, but I did try your plugin too. And like, I spent 20 minutes and then I got confused and I just got back to work. So tutorials for sure need those <laughs> yesterday. Yep. yep. But uh, so I want to plug it. I want to think about like one use case to help people make it like super, super real and also get a sure. pulse of where you guys are at. So like the first mm -hmm. one that came to mind when I heard about your plugin was an NFT minting page because the components mm -hmm. there are not crazy. Like 
you could put just a sexy background image and a big button that checks for a whitelist and then like a mint button when it's time to go live. So there's like three, four main pieces, but then you have a bunch of stuff in the background. You have the clarity contract that's holding the FTs and pulling it from IPFS or something. If I'm a collection and say I don't want to go to Byzantine or Gamma and use their launch pad, you know, shout out to them for doing amazing work. Could we do how close are we for getting something like that where I can go from zero to a hundred and have it finished versus like I gotta learn some clarity and all that other stuff? Before summer's out. Before summer's out? Like midsummer before summer's out. Super alpha mm-hmm. league. Okay. Super wow. alpha league. I haven't told anyone that, but of course. And you're you're giving yourself a deadline right now, too. Now it's on the record. That's facts. That's facts. So yeah, our um our first plugin um is live. There may be another one coming. Um, and then our first template is gonna be that stats wallet piece. Our second one that we're aiming for is gonna be that NFT mint page. Um, and then there's going to be a third template as well. Shout out to Lewis from Ryder. He was uh, talking with me offline. He was like, social tokens with no code? Is that a thing? And I'm like, that's a thing. So that might be coming as well. Super dope. Okay. Uh, man, this this time is just flying by. So I'm going to try, try and pick the, the highest leverage questions. Um, Let's do it. I guess one one I'm curious about is uh, what's the so you got a big grant? I guess first of all, has it been working with the foundation? Man, okay. So before I became an entrepreneur um, in my like early twenties, um, I worked for Apple, and that was the best job I ever had um, in my entire life because of the environment, because of how everything is like just set up, um, getting emails from Steve Jobs that he would send corporately. Um, so I technically could have emailed him and all of that while he was alive. Just a lot of those experiences is just amazing. Being there when the uh, iPhone first launched, when the stores were blitzed and the malls were packed, like those experiences I'll never forget. It feels like that with the Stacks Foundation. Um, just surrounded by polymaths and geniuses and everyone's cool and down to earth and accessible. And it's just, man, I I wish I knew the foundation just as people, not even like what they do and how they're changing the world, but just, I wish I knew these people years ago. Um, Just amazing people. Shout out to Shannon, Will, Mitchell, Brittany, everyone at the foundation. I love everyone there. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to get too emotional, but like, no, man, I can, I can confirm it's, it's a hundred percent facts. And the crazy thing too, is like talking to, talking to pseudo Zach of LN swap, uh, you know, he said, one of the things that's cool about grants is that it becomes like, we can all do 10 different things. And so sometimes it's hard Mm -hmm. to just prioritize like what is, it's either a passion thing. Like I love this thing. Or Mm -hmm. if there's a little bit of bread over here, like I can make that my passion and bring this to life. And it, it, it mm-hmm. serves like my, I got my security and I get, you know, intellectually stimulated. And so he's like, mm-hmm. the great thing about grants is it becomes like a forcing function for getting things that maybe was number three, not because number one, and it also serves the community. And have, has that been your experience where it's like, you might not have built that thing, but since mm-hmm. the, the foundation saw the benefit of it for, this, for the community, th- something that wouldn't exist otherwise now exists. 
Yeah, I think the power of the foundation in general um, is really going to come to a head, especially in this bear market and as we enter into a recession as a country and as a world, um, because it's going to empower builders who they might have been laid off or they might have lost everything. And they're going to give this, this one shot to Hail Mary, but you never know. Um, and let's say they get approved and then they get funding and then they're able to build. And what they build is sustaining them. Maybe they're able to hire people on a contractual basis. Maybe they're able to raise based off of a prototype that was built, leveraging the foundation. We're going to see a lot of those stories. I personally think within the next three to five years where people are just going to say, hey, started on Stacks, went multi-chain, but none of this would be possible without Stacks. And ultimately, you know, building on Bitcoin. Um, we're going to see a lot of those success stories. Um, Trevor, he put out a tweet um, and I retweeted it because I felt it so deeply. He said, building on Stacks and learning clarity and all of that, you're going to look like a genius 12 months from now. And VCs who back companies that are building on Bitcoin and Stacks, they're going to look like geniuses too. And I 1000% agree. Super bullish on Stacks, super bullish on Bitcoin, super bullish on the foundation. Um they're they're making dreams come true in a real way. Yep, one hundred percent. Okay, you said you said Hail Mary in there, and I'm curious what's the what's the big vision for No Code Clarity? Like, if you guys just knock out the park, Stacks is number three behind Ethereum and Bitcoin. That's right. And it's like, what is what is the uh, the big vision for No Code Clarity? If we're looking where we're in that in that stage. Well, first off, stacks to 100, since you said number three. All day, like, okay. all day. Stacks to 100. Um, the big, big vision, being able to do our own visual programming language for clarity. So if you can drag and drop words or phrases, um, I want an NFT mint page that, and then in the background, it's actually creating it and you just type in. So that's the overall vision. So after this grant, um, we have a plan to just full on raise and and do that um, so we can ultimately create a visual programming language for clarity and also a pipeline for, for clarity. There are going to be certain prompts that would come up in that space that says, hey, if you want to customize more, click here to join the waitlist for clarity cohort. We really just want to create a funnel um, and a, a talent pool ultimately. Like, yes, we're exposing you know millions by way of this grant. Uh, we're going to get stacks and the ability to build on Bitcoin in front of 10 million people through um, Zapier, Bubble, Webflow, a few other platforms. Um, but ultimately, we want more users to be using applications where blockchain is running in the background. And then once they learn about it, they become holders. Maybe they're stacking their stack tokens using no-code platforms. And then it's like, you know what? I want to build. We want to see that whole funnel thing happen so that we're able to create more developers, more holders, more everything from the standpoint of that. So that's the big, big vision. So um, sometime end of year, probably next year, that's when we're really going to be done with um, all of the milestones that we're, we're going to be accountable to the Stacks Foundation for um, to, to reach. And we're, we're pretty much, we're in a good velocity, good trajectory from that standpoint to reach all of them. Um, but then from a company standpoint, building out products that might have a subscription base or whatever, that's where the, the visual programming for writing smart contracts is really going to come into play. Got it. Very cool. 
Man, one of the things I hate and love about doing this podcast is I talk to people like you and I hear it and I get so hyped. Like, I want this right now. Please build as fast as you can. It just sounds so crazy, bro. Uh, a drag and drop. It's almost like a like an AI where you can just like type in something in the dolly and it's like, here's a beautiful image. It's going to be that exactly. for clarity programming. Okay, last question. And we're going to do a, a, a kind of a topic change. But, you know, I was telling you earlier, like, I have a background in music video directing. Mm-hmm. Artist is a, is a very, like, soft spot for me. And Web3 music, ownership, all this stuff just sounds like game changer once we figure it out. And everyone's mm-hmm. trying it with NFTs and different things. And you're doing something, too, on top of all the stuff you're already doing, of sound money crew so yeah i'd love to just, just close it out with what what is sound money crew what what, what is this other entity that you guys are building with your little team yeah so uh shout out to the homies um montreal came bobby drake um just a collective of artists um producers spoken word artists singers rappers um and what we do is we create instrumentation in the form of what we call seasons so we're going to do two season drops a year um, our first one is actually minting live on uh, Gamma right now. So if you go to soundmoneycrew.com, hit mint now, it'll take you to the page and you can mint. And what you'll see is a stimulizer. It's a visualizer that's customized and paired to instrumentation that we've produced. So the stems and upon purchase, you can hold, you can trade, whatever. But if you're interested in unlocking commercial usage of that instrumentation, we're going to be opening up a burning aspect where if you send it to this wallet that will never be utilized for anything other than all these burnt NFTs, you will then unlock commercial usage for the tracks and the tracks will be sent to you and you'll be able to do whatever you want with them. You want to use them in a commercial, do it. You want to use it for a song, do it. So it's a different way to create community, um, monetization of art, as well as distribution. Um, I have this, uh, this this story where just checking analytics from some music that I've done. Um, I've been recording music around the time that I found out about Bitcoin since 2015, putting it out there. And um, I seen something on my analytics that was really strange. I saw on TikTok that I had like 2 million plays um, between China and Peru. Very, very random. Um because most indie artists don't have budgets for promotion and I am most indie artists. So I did not have a budget for that. So the fact that the TikTok algorithm somehow, like, I don't know, like I have listeners globally, but, you know, not necessarily pushing it. I'm just doing it for the love. Um, And then seeing that, I was like, whoa. So I I checked the analytics and I seen how much I got paid and my head drooped. Cause I'm like, you know, 2 million is kind of a, a big number. But then, you know, these these culture creators, these kingmakers of culture, in a sense, the Instagrams, Facebooks, YouTubes, uh, TikTok, Spotify, they determine the pay ratio. So if I would have gotten two million streams on YouTube, would have been a much different payout than two million plays on TikTok because they pay you based on the amount of videos your song is connected to, which was only like 4,000. So that is really what made me start thinking about different distribution models for for music. So if someone is able to leverage a platform like Songs to Radio or a DAO, like what was going to be made with Stacker DAOs, if someone is holding an NFT and they're able to have some sort of say with a, a company or say with 
um, an artist's trajectory, they're going to be more inclined to see that artist succeed. So then the DAO becomes the record label or the people or the fans become the record label. Um, and we're seeing artists, you know, flock to it now. Um, I think Snoop Dogg and Eminem just dropped a music video today where they were bored apes. So it's like the, the synergy is happening. Yeah. Um, but from the standpoint of infrastructure, I would love to see more of that, especially happen on Stacks. So that's why Sound Money Crew is on Stacks. Love it. Love it. And the name is fitting. Okay. Any uh, any closing thoughts? Anything I didn't ask that you want to, you want to close out with on there? Um, man, we covered a lot to be honest. I'm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just want everyone to stay safe. Um, we're living in some crazy times. Don't necessarily, you know, watch your phone and notifications and the markets. Cause sometimes I get notifications from the platforms that I'm subscribed to for news and the crypto space. And I'll just make emoji faces. Like they'll be either up or down or mind blown or whatever. So it's a lot and it can take toll on mental and emotional health. So just like go outside, get some sunshine, take a walk in a park, eat some ice cream with your kids. Like remember that, you know, these things happen in cycles. So um, just, just be mindful of that. And for people who are interested in jumping in the industry, um, be it building or positions or otherwise, this is the perfect time to do so um, because all of the hype is, is gone. Um, I think we need to all the tourists are gone. Um, and that's true. People who are in this cycle, nine times out of 10, they've been in a, a bear cycle before. So it's like, oh, cool. Now I can like really focus on work and not have to do these other things. Like I really don't you know, like to, because um, most builders, they just want to build. They don't want to have to do press. They don't want to have to do... Um, tours where they're speaking with vcs like if they do that for a short time and they can build most of the time that's their preference and this is the perfect time to build so you know it's not a bear market it's not a bull market it's a build market we're constantly building facts yeah that's that's perfectly said okay if people are curious then they want to learn more about you no code mm -hmm. clarity maybe sound money crew where are they going mm -hmm. At CMP GFB on Twitter, I pretty much live there. And you will see by my tweets that I bleed purple. Uh, I love stacks. I love Bitcoin. Love the community. Um, yeah, that's where I am. Um, you can also visit um, nocodeclarity.com, at nocodeclarity on Twitter, soundmoneycrew.com, at soundmoneycrew on Twitter. Um, yeah. And make sure you follow stacks, follow Jake, blockchain, follow the crew. Um, you'll, you'll see the community is very active on Twitter. So just jump in. Just jump in. It's, it's a build market. We got shit to do. Cool. Man, we got plenty to do. Dude, it's insane. It's insane. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been fascinating. I could talk to you for seven hours and we'd cover all kinds of topics. So I think in the 40 minutes we just ran through, we covered a shitload. So, uh, I yeah, I love it's been 40 minutes. Bro, flies by. But yeah, man, I, I love what you guys are building. I wish you guys all the best. Thank you for coming on the pod, my man. Man, thank you. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right.